from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen This that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system This a war zone going down on Wednesday nights This a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite Weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution This is change to what the game is used to doing This is all about that dark and light contrast Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast Yo, it's me, it's me it's Mike D and G, and this is the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. Before we start the show, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and hit us up with a five-star review. Also, follow us on Instagram, Fight for Wednesday Night, for the number, not F-O-R. Welcome back, Wednesday Night Warriors. Thanks for listening with us. Week 16, AW NXT. Let's jump right into it. I want to get it right into AW, DDP's match. Yep, Bash at the Beach. Uh, WCW bash at, I mean, AEW's bash at the beach. <laughs> we had DDP coming out looking like it was 1996 with his uh, nostalgic tights, his entrance. Everything was awesome. We, I love the fact that this match had nostalgia because this whole show was based around a forgotten pay-per-view that used to mean a lot in the wrestling world, now brought back as a show from AEW, which is basically like the little brother of WCW. Yeah, the so second nice, coming of... Yeah, it was nice to have that WCW nod on this show. If there was no WCW match on a Bash at the Beach show, it would have felt a little weird. Yeah. And it was a hell of a match. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely an entertaining match. I thought it was it, it was placed perfectly in the show. Uh, I liked the build prior. It was within a week or, or so... And MJF with the the T-shirt, yeah. even with the with the the segment with the promo, like they made it mean something. Yeah, and it was just a, a, like you said, a week build where not a week build, but yeah, yeah. a seven day build. Hey, yes, thank because you. if you think about it, there's sometimes where AEW has these long builds or they stretch their storylines, and then there's times where in just one week they could have a meaningful match. And yeah, it was a really good match. We had. The uh, Butcher and the Blade, MJF versus QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes, and DDP. And it was my highlight of the night. A lot of great things happened on the show, but my highlight of the night was this because as 
a fan, it brought me back to being a kid. I was a big DDP fan when I was watching WCW back in the day. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see him out there and to see the things that he was doing, jumping off the top rope. Yeah, to the I don't outside. think he ever done that before. Like you saw, he really took this serious, especially in his age, sixty three years old. He took this serious. It's probably his last match. Let's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I figured this was probably a one and done. Uh, I, most likely, this was uh, you know big respect to Dusty and a, a big respect to, to to Cody and the Rhodes family. Yeah. And I loved how he put that extra effort into this uh, to show that sign of respect. You know, like you Definitely. mentioned, you know, he did put on the tights from like 97. Yeah. And, you know, that was really cool because, yeah, he hasn't done that in such a long time. You know, and then, if, and like I said before, him jumping out, out uh, off the top, doing that, that, that splash to the yeah. outside, something he's never done before. It was so cool, you know. But one thing I, I do want to mention is that in this match, you just see the star power in MJF. Oh, yeah. Like he really had a control over that match and that and that ring, and I felt like everything was surrounded by him. Yeah, and MJF really seemed like the veteran in that match, even though he was in there with DDP and Dustin, which are two guys with a combined of maybe a hundred years of wrestling experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, speaking of a Rhodes and speaking of MJF, Cody Rhodes finally gave MJF his answer. We he answered his demands after a few weeks of build up to this and we all knew the answer was going to be yes but we finally confirmed that it's going to be yes he's going to take his 10 lashes he decides he's not going to lay a hand on mjf and he's also going to face wardlow in the cage which i'm most excited for well yeah i put it up on on the on the instagram we, we had that post about you know who's excited for wardlow's debut and never mind a debut but in a cage with cody but the only thing i didn't realize was the 10 lashes being part of the stipulation mm. that was a little intriguing to me uh, I know that MJF mentioned that he was going to give him 10 lashes. I didn't yeah. know that Cody had to accept or, or even... I didn't know it was a proposition. Well, well, yeah, and that makes it even better in my eyes because you're really, I guess, swallowing your pride and saying, yes, not only do I want to like lay my hands on you, but I can't, but also I'm going to allow you to whip me 10 times with a belt in front of my family because it's going to happen in Atlanta, Cody's hometown. So he's really trying to break Cody's character before they finally face one-on-one at Revolution. I think a segment like that can really make MJF a star. Yeah. He's already shooting up, but a segment like that can really take you to the next level. If he looks like just the worst person in the world. Which he does. He does. And Cody gets so much sympathy. So this is a perfect, perfect way to build MJF. I, I, I totally agree. I think that if you have Cody, his back bleeding, possibly shedding a tear like we've seen before, <laughs> his mom like just, cringing, like, yeah, you're going to definitely get the sympathy factor. The simpy factor is going to be on Cody's <laughs> side. So, yeah, I really like the segment. Another segment that I really liked was the Dark Order's vignette promo where you had like whoever that spokesman is of the Dark Order yeah, talking yeah. to the Exalted One. And they were just doing like scouting of certain guys that they want to bring into the Dark Order. And I like how they're targeting like the jobbers of the company because it shows that they're going after the guys who have like a low record, I guess a broken spirit, guys who are just like they want more, but they can't get to that point. Like Michael Nakazawa, like Brandon Cutler. And it's cool because that's basically like the real mentality of a cult. You want to go after the weak people so they could follow you. I did think it was interesting that they did mention Hangman. Yes. And his break off 
from the elite. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I personally, I cannot see Hangman with the Dark Order, but I just thought it was intriguing that they mentioned him. So, actually, speaking of Hangman, the beginning of the show we got the 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 the, ta- the four way tag match, right? Yeah, yeah. We had um, Satana and Ortiz, the Young Bucks, Hangman and Omega, best and friends. The best friends. And accompanied by freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Of course, can't forget freshly squeezed. Now, this was a great match, but we got the story continued with Hangman breaking off from the Elite, and it was a little different though because it wasn't so direct this time. Yeah. So there was layers to this story. Yeah, I like the fact that Kenny was teaming up and doing triple team moves with the Young Bucks and. Uh, What's his name? Hangman, Hangman was on the side just looking like, really? Come on. And then Hangman didn't hesitate to actually take shots at the Young Bucks. Where Kenny kind of like was having hesitation. Like, am I going to really hit Matt right now? Yeah. Where Hangman was like, I'm swinging for the fences here. Like, I'm taking you out. So that was a nice dynamic. Because we still see the dissension. But with the outcome of the match, we still further the storyline of Hangman still kind of forcefully with the Elite. Because he's still partnered with Omega. And now they're getting a title shot. So... After this, after this match, later on in the, in the the show, we end up getting a SEU promo, right? Because now yeah. it's going to be Hangman and Omega versus SEU for the titles, and they get interrupted with Hangman, and it appears he has a drink in his hand, and he bumps uh, Christopher Daniels, getting his whiskey all over him, and I thought it was I thought it was a really nice touch because. I feel like we never really got a concrete reason as to why Hangman is breaking off on television. Yeah. Not off of being the elite. On television. And this sort of seemed like they were going somewhere with this. That maybe he has a drinking problem. And you see Omega having to get between him and, and Christopher. And he shows them respect. You know, they go back. They, they're, you know, they're legends as well. They, yeah. There's a lot of respect. There's a lot of mutual respect. But yet, Hangman can't control himself. And he's got his drink in his hand, and he's trying to talk down Christopher Daniels and the rest of SEU. Like, hey, you know, just leave him be. Like, you know, he's a little too much. And I like that. It added a different layer to Hangman. It added a layer to this breakup. Yeah, I take it as maybe it's not a drinking problem, but maybe he's developing a drinking problem because he did say he wants to be his own man, but he still finds himself stuck in the elite. So I guess this is like his coping mechanism. You know what, though? It's so funny because right before you like open your mouth to say that, I literally just thought of that. Like, okay, well, they could also go run with it in the direction that he's dealing with issues with the elite and now he's developed a drinking problem. And maybe that's where they go with the actual breakup where he finally lays hands on them yeah. and maybe he's ha- he drank too much. Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting. And I think it's, it's, they're going about this in an entertaining way. I definitely do think so as well. Something that was not entertaining in my opinion though, was the nightmare collective versus Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. So I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Originally it was scheduled to be, Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. 
and Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Awesome Kong and Mel, which was going to be our first time seeing Mel. It was her AEW debut. They can't come up with a better name for her? Yeah. Okay. And it was supposed to be Hikaru Shida versus Statlander. But we didn't get Awesome Kong. Instead, we got Brandy Rhodes. And there wasn't too much of a known explanation. They mentioned that Awesome Kong, what is she? She wasn't medically cleared. In actuality, she was very sick, and the doctors actually didn't medically clear her. They just didn't say she was sick on television. Yeah, now, I understand things happen. You know, it's it's a live show. Anything can happen at any time. So you can't account for these things. But it would have been cool to turn a negative into a positive. It would have been cool if they would have been a little bit more creative and gave us some bullshit. Give us some bullshit as to why she couldn't compete. Why she's not there tonight. Give us a reason that fits with the storyline, that fits with the character. You know, like maybe she's collecting, you know, hair or or, or, or learning something from a shaman or some witch doctor. Yeah, I'll tell you this, that, that, that match definitely needed someone on the other side with experience like Awesome Kong because you saw Statlander and Sheeta trying to carry the match with an inexperienced Brandy Rhodes. And I don't know too much about Mel. I don't know how long she's been in the business, but she was very sloppy in there and wasn't executing moves properly. And that was my fucking point. That was my point is we expect Awesome Kong, who's a veteran, who's somebody yeah. who probably was going to be a focal point in this match. Yeah. And replacing her with Brandy Rhodes is a huge drop off. Now, I had no idea of Mel and her experience or her capabilities. I would assume that if she's being tagged with Brandy, that she can carry herself, but she obviously couldn't. And Brandy is not a wrestler by trade. She's learning, but it's not who she is. Yeah. So this was a very sloppy match. And it's like, I feel bad because I understand this wasn't in the plans, but it is what it is. Especially when you're an inexperienced wrestler like Brandy Rhodes or possibly Mel also like I said I don't want to say she is Yeah, we don't, I don't know, know the experience but by what we saw Mel Mel, it didn't look Mel good. was a part of the match all week where Brandy Rhodes wasn't until day of and like I said she's inexperienced it's hard to just go out there and hey now you're yeah, wrestling Yeah and, and I'll tell you the truth that I really didn't have a gripe with Brandy I think she did the best under the circumstances she played the the heelish part the scared yeah. you know and and that and that's fine and to be honest, it, I felt like this match was a flop, not really because of Brandy. It was more on Mel. on Mel. Yeah. So it was just really frustrating. But luckily, you know, it was just one match. It didn't take up too much time. 
But I do want to do want to shout out and give kudos to the commentary team because Mel and Brandy definitely pushed their limits as commentators on selling this match and, and trying yeah. to give reason as to why the things are happening in the way they are. Because it wasn't clean. It was really sloppy. I, some parts, it didn't make sense. Like, there was a moment where... Um, I forgot if it was Statlander that was in the corner, but Mel had had Statlander in the corner with Brandy, and Mel wasn't the the, the legal uh, wrestler. So all she had to do was make the tag, and she faked the clap for the referee. Like, it was just weird. And on yeah. commentary, they're like, oh, I don't understand, you know, why you wouldn't just make the tag. And, you know, it, it just, it didn't look right. Yeah, it didn't. But the commentary has been getting better when it comes to explaining botches or sloppiness in the ring, just because it does you know, help them cover the holes. It So you're not watching them and be like, oh, that clearly was fake or that clearly was a botch. You have the commentary saying, oh, well, that was because such and such happened or the inexperience or because someone's injured, which was nice. One match that wasn't a letdown was Sammy G and John Moxley. I really enjoyed this matchup. I really enjoyed this match and I was looking forward to this match. And I know after last week's episode, I was thinking about something I said to you off the podcast. And I told you that Sammy G reminded me of a young AJ Styles. Yeah. And I know that's a big comp. But to be honest with you, I, I really do see it. And I think if he's on this trajectory, I can't see why he can't have a career similar to or just as big as as AJ Styles. Especially if, when you're being mentored by a great like Chris Jericho. Exactly. That That's my reason. That's the X Factor. Jericho is just such a brilliant mind in the business. Mm-hmm. And Sammy, I feel like, is a great student. And he has so much talent. He's young. He has the charisma. Yeah. I mean, he just oozes charisma. He's an entertainer in that ring. Like, I feel like he's years above what he probably should be. Definitely. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that Jer- ever since he aligned himself with Jericho... That's the driving factor. Oh, well, that's without a doubt. He'd probably still be wearing a panda head on if, if <laughs> well, that, he wasn't that, with Jericho. Without a doubt. And also, on top of that, not just having Jericho around and teaching him, because we all know Jericho is taking that teacher role with a lot of the younger guys, but you're constantly putting him in matches with guys like Dustin, guys like Cody, now Moxley. So you're getting that experience in the ring with guys who are better than you, so that's how you're really starting to learn. And Sammy G really held his own against Moxley here. Yeah, yeah, he did. So... I do want to bring up, after the match, right? So Moxley wins, and the Inner Circle comes out to attack him, and Jericho reaches into his jacket, pulls out one of the spikes, and hits him in the eye. And when I first saw it, I wasn't sure if there was even contact. But after the whole segment, my mind is blown, because now I'm really wondering, did he really get hit in the eye? Because I'll tell you this right now, it fucking looked like it by his reaction. When the medical staff and, and the trainers are coming over... Yeah, and he, he's saying he's dropping F-bombs on national TV. I, I'm sure if you are like playing a role, you know you're not about to drop an F-bomb on national TV. So that told me, hey, he might be really hurt here. Yeah, I'm thinking he really got fucking stabbed in the eye. And his reactions were just crazy, like... The second that the, the trainers were trying to open up his eye, he's squinting and, and, and pushing was, back. And you could see he was very red. He was like, you look like you're in serious pain when you're red and you don't want to be touched at the moment. The acting was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal. Uh, now here's the thing. Assuming that he didn't get, if he didn't get hit in the eye, 
This is unbelievable acting by yeah. fucking Moxley. He- Vince McMahon used to force Dean Ambrose to read scripted promos against his will. And then we see the type of acting skills Moxley has when there's no chains attached to him. That's insane. But that's if he's not actually hurt. Yeah, assuming. Yeah. Assuming. I'm hoping he's not, he's not actually hurt. Because taking a spike to the eye, that just sounds... Wow. Yeah, and if he's going to compete against Pac next week with an eye patch... I mean, first off, it's going to look funny, but kudos to him. Why not? He's going to be resting on a boat. He's resting on a ship. <laughs> How fucking perfect is that? He should come out with a peg leg also. <laughs> I wouldn't go too far at the whole buccaneer thing, but I just think that this was real. Like, it seemed real, you know? And that's what we got earlier with Cody's promo, breaking the fourth yeah, wall. Yeah, talk about being a heel and all that. So, the selling on this was just amazing. The one down part I didn't like was later in the evening... After the, the Pac and Darby match, which by far I, I think was the best match uh, in my opinion. I thought those two had great chemistry and it flowed very well. But afterwards, Pac wins and he has to face off Mox next week for the number one contendership. And so they do this whole thing with Mox in the back of the ambulance coming out. One thing I didn't like, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast, was we see Christopher Daniels involved. Now, obviously he has a role backstage, but my problem with this is that he's, he's already active, yeah. an active wrestler. He's on. He's an on-air character. And when you have a segment like this, as a fan, that doesn't know everything, I'm wondering, why is Christopher Daniels involved in this? Well, it was clear that he still had whiskey on his um, shirt. He was trying to go That's to the locker room, get a new shirt, and then he walked by, saw an ambulance getting kicked in by Moxie. He was like, whoa, let me intervene let me because help. I'm a company he's guy. He's a good guy, exactly. right? So, good guy Daniels. The fallen angel. The fallen angel got right back up. He risen. He ascended back into heaven. Thank you, De Niro. Thank you put it all together. Now no, I know. No problem. Now yeah. I know. But on a serious note, this is what I'm talking about. Just a little bit of the disconnect and not explaining things. Not everything needs to be explained. But some things just don't look right. Yeah, like not everyone's going to know that he's the head of talent relations. But yeah, next week we're getting Moxley and Pac. And if you remember, the first time they wrestled, it was a draw. It was a 20-minute draw on TV. So now we're going to have a rematch finally, and it's a number one contendership match. Both guys are, I think, the number one and two contenders on the rankings. So it makes sense that it comes down to Moxley and Pac. And it's going to be awesome to see them on a ship. <laughs> yeah, the, the the whole ship aspect is going to be very different and interesting, so I'm excited for that alone. But having these two go against each other again is always exciting. Oh, I yeah. was super excited in their last matchup. I mean, you're talking about two great wrestlers. Why the hell not? You know, it's going to be a phenomenal match. Definitely. This, in my opinion, was a phenomenal show. I'm not going to take too many points off because of the uh, Nightmare Collective match. Yeah, I it, really enjoyed this show. This was my show of the week. But that's not taking anything from away from NXT, which was also a great show. So let's get into that. This week on NXT, we continued the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. We got to see the Broserweights, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle versus um, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, the former Mandrews. <laughs> I, I still don't know why TNA ever called him that. That sounds stupid. But anyway, I really enjoyed this match. And I saw like there was a lot of chemistry between Riddle and Dunne. So that made me start thinking... There is way too many top guys for a two-hour show on NXT. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. 
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Wouldn't it hurt if even after the Tag Team Classic is done to have some of these guys in another division or in a tag team with each other? Right now, as talented as Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle is, I don't see a spot for them in a storyline in the main event right now because you have Adam Cole feuding with Tommaso Ciampa and then you also have Adam Cole in a uh, sub-feud with Walter. It's like, where does Riddle and Dunne fit in? I think that... Instead of them just not being on TV or in squash matches or matches that really don't mean anything, it would be nice to see guys like this stay as a team. Just like before Keith Lee won the number one contendership for the North American champion, we were talking about putting him in the team with Leo Rush. It would be nice. So I think that these two guys had good chemistry with each other. So if they decide to go that route, it would work. Yeah, I I know we mentioned, uh, I think it was the last podcast uh, about Kushida, right? With Alex Shelley. And we were saying how, hey... You're not, you're not really going to do anything with Kushida, so fuck it. Might as well put them, put them together with, you know, Shelly, have him as a tag team, or, you know, have him in a tag team. It beats Pete Dunne's recent storylines. Oh, I randomly broke Killian Dane's fingers, now he's coming after me. Yeah, like, yeah, they, they don't really have anything concrete for him, so I get what you're saying, and I will say, I did like the dynamic. First off, I liked it from the jump when he gave the promo, uh, and I mean, he, as in Matt Riddle, when he yeah. explained... The Broserweights and how they formed, I was sold. I was yeah. sold. And I like the clash in personalities. It's he, funny, but at the same time, in the ring, they do match very well, and they're both very talented guys. Yeah, he, he sold that promo better than he sells his kicks. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Without Definitely. a doubt. The worst kicks uh, I've seen. And surprisingly, he's an MMA fighter. And it's like, the kicks are not bad, it's just the power that's in them. Like, bro, you can, you, you can yeah. go a little harder, you know? And they had an amazing match. Not taking anything away from Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. Because yeah, they were impressive. They were very not impressive. Not only were they impressive, but they just had a very crazy ladder match on Sunday. In the UK. Flies to the United States and has another really good match. You know, only I, a few days later. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. So kudos to those guys. Because they did their thing and they didn't hold back. I, I feel like every time the NXT, uh, the NXT UK guys come over, they're looking to impress. You know, this is another market that they're trying to get into. 
So they, they really try to, you know, bolster the wall. And I, I felt that with, with the Andrews and Webster. But I want to mention something. Prior to this, we had Keith Lee start off the show. and Decent promo, too. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely, you know, getting better. Getting yeah. better. It's the goatee. It's definitely the... the we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Undisputed Era comes out. He gets attacked. And we get Ciampa for the save, right? Then we get the 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 uh, Broseweight match. Uh-huh. And it seemed like we had a match in between a match. Because yeah. then you have Ciampa come back out. To be interrupted. To be interrupted yeah. again by the Undisputed they, Era. They could have did all that in the opener. What the fuck? What the fuck? Was this all for Johnny Gargano to come out so you could put the DIY together? All right, let but me, let you me, know what, though? It could have been done better. All right, let me let me speak on DIY. I'm about to channel some uh, Conan. Let me speak on that. So, here's the thing. DIY, they were together. They had this massive feud. They broke up. Then they were somehow put together again when they went up to the main roster and then they broke up again because Gargano turned heel but then Ciampa Long got history. injured Long then history. they got they got put back together again so after that Finn Balor attacks him and now they're together again and they're, they're acting like oh my god the yeah, is back together it doesn't even matter at this point you guys done this so many times it's broken up back together broken up back together it seemed like very forced just to say hey they have a match at Worlds Collide against Mustache Mountain it was extremely forced. Extremely forced. And I could have done... with. I, I didn't need two segments. Three segments, actually. Excuse yeah. me. There were three segments just to get this one fucking match together. Look, I love them as a team, and I don't mind them as a team. It's just that the execution of this was horrible. It was, and, and I didn't like how, in the beginning of, of the segment, you have Keith Lee uh, being attacked, and, and, and they, they fuck up his ankle with the chair, right? Roddy attaches the, the chair to his ankle, steps on it, he could barely stand up, but then about an hour, hour twenty later, he's pouncing people through through bushes, coming out. You know, to help, like it just it was inconsistent. Yeah, it was extremely inconsistent. It just seemed like we need we need to forcefully get Keith Lee's pounce in the show. Yeah, Hogan must pose. Yeah, it, and that's the thing. I'm starting to see that like, things are being forced to us. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this got this type of reception. We need to do it again. Yeah, do it again. Do it again. No. Stop. Stop. You don't need to fucking force it. Have it organically come together. You know, if he's in a match, you want to do it? Okay. But it doesn't need to be every single show. And then if you want to get DIY together, you don't need to have them being attacked by Undisputed Ever twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because why would you leave? If you had a gripe, if you had a fucking gripe, right, with Adam Cole and wanting Goldie back, well, you had your moment. They were there. You went in for the save. Why not pick up the fucking mic and, and speak your truth? Say what you gotta fucking say. Why wait for another match and then come out and, 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 and want to redo it all over again? You see, that's the part that just didn't go well for me. Yeah, me either. Something that didn't go well for me was the Angel Garza on commentary during the Cruiserweight three-way match for the number one contendership match. He... Okay, okay, wait, hold up. Are you, are you trying to fuck with me right now? Are you trying to fuck with me? Because this is, this is what, what, what bothered the hell out of me. WWE likes to force people that, that can't talk or that have an issue talking or that is that can't be understood. They like to force a mic into their hands. That's what bothered you? That's what let me tell you what bothered me. The they, match was good. The match was good. Okay, I, I was enjoying Leo Rush, Swerve Scott, Tyler Breeze, but it, it took away from it 
because Marvel's trying to figure out what 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 Angel Garza is saying, and Beth Phoenix is, is making comments about his dimples. What the fuck? Let me tell you something. If that's what bothered you, then I guess you didn't see the fact that he was a heel two weeks ago, well, three weeks ago, then turned face when he won the title, and now all of a sudden he's back to being a heel on commentary because he was being mad arrogant. Oh, no one could touch me in that ring. He said, it doesn't matter who's going to face me. I'm not scared. The way he was coming off was very heelish, and that's what bothered me. Screw the Spanish and not being able to understand. He was going flip-flopping every week between his character. Wait a minute, you understood what he said? I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> I couldn't understand. I mean, it was, and I'm not trying to shit on, 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 on Angel Garza. He's good. I, I'm a fan of his. But I don't need a mic in his hands to be a fan. I enjoy his character. I enjoy his in-ring performances. I don't need him to sit at commentary just to sit at commentary. Because here's the hey. deal. Morrow, I, 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 I give all the credit in the world to Morrow because he was trying his best to get him involved in, in this match and, and calling it and, and, and build up to the, the title match for the, the Fatal 4. But how could you do that with somebody... That you can't understand. Or well, he's he, trying to speak Spanish to you. Yeah, well, he was doing that as like a heel tactic though. Because he was speaking English. He speaks good English. And he was speaking English when he was asked questions and was acting arrogant. And then he would continue the thought in Spanish. It was more of that heel, you know, the typical foreign heel who I'll speak my, for, my, ah, I'll speak my native tongue while you can't understand it. And it sounds like I'm just rambling. So that's what really pissed me off is because we're still trying to push him as a heel one week and then we're going to show him propose to his girlfriend like, oh, he's a baby face. Love him. This this whole thing, this whole thing, this was my FF of the night. A fucking fail. It, it just completely failed. And and it's it, it really bothers me because I really enjoyed the match that was going on. Like I said, Leo Rush, Swerve Scott, Tyler Breeze, they put on a good match. It was very entertaining and it meant something. But it was just a distraction on commentary and the flow of things... It just, it, it, it took away from, from the match for me. It, the experience of the match just was taken away. And I'm seeing this across the board on on the WWE brand. You know, we've seen with Asuka's getting thrown the, the mic. and Or even when for, uh, I believe it was Survivor Series when when they were making an appearance. The Kabuki Warriors. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Couldn't yeah. understand. You know, like, there's some people, you put the mic in their hands, some people you don't. You know, Shinsuke is another one. You don't need him to talk. Yeah. He does enough. You know what I mean? Same thing with Asuka. Same thing with a Angel Garza. They have enough character and personality that, that they don't, don't need... need to. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, here's the thing. Why not just have them sit at ringside if you're trying to just show face? But it's whatever. Like I said, I was more pissed about him turning heel again. Something that also is a little confusing was the main event. We had the Women's Battle Royal. Uh, at the start of the show, they showed a certain somebody in the graphic, but oh. she was not in the match. Oh, you mean uh, a certain Dakota Kai? No, I was talking about um, Aaliyah. Yeah, she wasn't in that either. No, I'm joking. Yes, Dakota Kai. So Dakota Kai is featured in, I don't even know what you'd call it, the... the, the like the graphic. The graphics, I suppose, yeah. of, of the match. And I was really intrigued because, I, I, as we saw earlier, we we finally get to see Tegan Knox. We haven't seen her since uh, War Games. Yeah. And she's a part of this Battle Royal. So I was intrigued. I was like, oh shit, Tegan Knox is in the Battle Royal and so is Dakota Kai. But as each entrance comes to the ring... Shayna Baszler is the last one, and I don't see Dakota Kai. So I'm like, uh, is she not in this match? And then we fast forward, fast forward a little while later in the match, and she's the one that helps eliminate uh, Tegan Knox. Yeah, it's like they decided mid-show, hey, we want to advance this storyline without thinking, so, oh, yeah, we already like, put her what, in. What, the, what, what happened there? What the fuck happened? I don't know. Did somebody, like, that's what I'm wondering, that's what I'm wondering is, 
Was it pre-planned that she was going to have a run-in? It doesn't seem that way because she was in the graphic. That that's what th- that's that's my confusion. That's my confusion. Is why would she be in the graphic? And kind of and she's right on the top there, you know? Yeah, but let's not take that away from a great match. I really enjoyed this battle royal and you know what? One thing I got to say is when it comes to battle royals, it's re- it's really just punch kick, punch kick, throw someone over the top rope. This battle royal had a lot of action in it. And I am really happy with the outcome with Bianca Belair winning it. We talked about Bianca Belair and Io Shirai being our top two girls for the future of NXT. And we finally see that we're going to have that going forward. So we have Bianca Belair going against Rhea Ripley. Wait, let me cut you off there, De Niro. Uh, It's actually Belair faces the winner of Ripley and Storm at Worlds Collide. So whoever wins that, she'll get the title shot. And being that that's Rhea Ripley's first defense, it probably still will be Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley. Probably. I'm unless gonna, unless, I'm unless see- they're just going to take the belt off her. Like, they built her all the way up, and then she loses the show on... I mean, hey, crazier things can happen, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, overall, there was a little weird... There's a lot of weird things on NXT, to be honest, but I still thoroughly enjoyed the show. Yeah, the reaction was awesome. Um, we didn't even mention, like, we got to see Alex Shelley. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. And and speaking of Alex Shelley, I was surprised that the time splitters were eliminated. I I mean, there was some hype behind him coming in. So I'm a little curious as to, will they give him an opportunity and sign him or or sign him maybe temporary? It looked like he had to go back to the future, if you ask me. (laughs) I don't know, because I I wanted to see more than just one match from him. Oh, me too. I think that it's one of those things, kind of like when Gargano and Ciampa, like I said, they first came in, they weren't signed, they lost every match, but it was like, hey, as we finish, like, ironing out the details on your contract, we'll put you on TV, but we're not going to, like, invest in you. Yeah. Because we don't know if you're going to sign. Yeah, and... and you know, I don't want to completely shit on on this show because it, it it was okay. It was it was it was good. It wasn't one of their best showings. Uh, I did I did appreciate the the battle royal. You know, outside of the whole Dakota Kai Tegan Knox thing, you know, we got stars being made to a degree. You know, mm-hmm. we or we got a spotlight more like it. I would like to say, with like Shotzi Blackheart, she eliminated uh, Shayna Baszler, and that was big. And then right before that, we had the debuting Mercedes Martinez and face with a, to face with yeah. uh, Shayna Baszler, and they were battling out, and Martinez was holding her own. Yeah, I, so moving forward, like I'd be really curious if, if they did a, a, a Mercedes Martinez versus a Shayna Baszler type of feud, I think that would be really that awesome. That would be a hard-hitting feud, and now even if you go with Baszler versus Blackheart, you have a story for that too. Yeah, and I thought it was cool because she was just signed. Yeah, You know what I mean? So she's coming in and, you know... She, she's she's paving her path in a big way, eliminating Shayna Baszler, two-time champion, longest reigning champion. Like, that, that's a story behind there. You know what I mean? So that was that was cool. They definitely made it worth something, and they they put a spotlight on new stars, yeah, future stars like Bel Air, like Io Shirai, like Martinez, like uh, Shotzi Blackheart. So this was really cool. This advanced the women's division moving forward. So I was really happy to see that. But even though I was impressed with the women's battle royal, I would still say the show of the week was AEW. I did enjoy AEW a little bit more. I appreciated the bash at the beach. I appreciated DDP. I mean, that fucking amazing. And I thought they had a more better show than NXT. It's really weird because NXT has been pretty solid, but there was too many holes in this show, and I have to give it to, to AEW. Yeah, like I said earlier, I gave it to AEW also, but NXT did have a lot of good in-ring action. It just seemed like everything that wasn't in-ring was a little weird. 
and that that's the thing with well, me is that in ring action they're always solid. Yeah. Always solid. I mean, there's very few times I could complain about a match. Very few. But it's the extras, the promos, the segments, sometimes stories. Mm-hmm. It needs to be harnessed a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm really excited for next week. We have Keith Lee versus Roderick Strong for the North American Champion. Oh, that's going to be good. And on AEW, we're going to have Boats and Hose. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. See you next week. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 